All right, welcome to Kabbalah and Coffee. Um, we are up to chapter 5 of Feminine Faith on page 50. If you have a book, it's on page 50. If you have a handout, it's right there at the top. It's still on page 50, but you don't have to do much page turning. If anybody else needs a copy, we have, I have one more over here. Anybody? Yeah? Everyone's good? Okay. All right, let's, um, let's kind of pick up where we, where we left off last week and the week before as well. We're talking about, <laughs> I guess, then, it's, been a, it's been a journey. We're talking about the sources, the mystical, Kabbalistic, spiritual sources of masculine and feminine energies. Kabbalah teaches that there is a definitive difference between a masculine energy and a feminine energy. Now, how that translates for men and women, so we're going to get to that a little bit today. But the concept of a masculine energy and a feminine energy is something that has its source in Kabbalah. And as Kabbalah explains, it has its source on the highest of realms, the highest of spiritual worlds, in the energies that are found in those, uh, in those, within those worlds. Um, what we've been using is the Kabbalistic model, David, I'm going to borrow this for a second, of the, uh, the spheros, or the spherot. These are the ten energies that Kabbalah speaks of as being employed with, uh, in, in, in the process of creation. And these ten energies exist on every dimension, in every plane, on every level of existence. These also exist within the human being. Within the human soul, there are these ten powers. So briefly, you can look at the sheet, or if you remember them, the wisdom, understanding, knowledge. And we go right, left, center, right, left, center, right, left, center, center. That's how the, that's how the scheme works. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge, loving, kindness, severity, compassion, ambition, devotion, bonding, and leadership. And as we've been discussing, these translations are not, are not 100% accurate. These are the traditional translations of the Hebrew. But the energies are, I would say, much more nuanced and much more, in a sense, more defined and more nuanced than, than the way they come through here. It's not a terrible translation, but it doesn't really do the energies justice. So, two weeks ago, we explored in depth every single power, what it means, what it does, etc. Last week, we started speaking about the masculine and feminine aspects to these different energies. So, we spoke about, and I'm just going to recap a little bit to segue into our uh, brand new discussion today. We spoke about the interplay between the, the top two, the first two energies, Chachma and Bina. Chachma is translated here as wisdom, Bina is translated here as understanding. What is the interplay between wisdom and understanding? To really understand this, you have to really get to a deeper explanation of what Chachma Bina are. Chachma refers to not just wisdom, but the seminal flash of, 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 of intellectual conception. When a person is, in a sense, when the light bulb goes off, and you grab something, something illuminates your mind so you didn't understand, and suddenly you have that flash of insight, right? as we, it's depicted in, uh, in, in comic strips and cartoons, you have the flash going off. So that's Chachma. Chachma is the initial flash of wisdom. Bina is when you take that flash of wisdom or, or intellectual conception, you've conceived of an idea, but you, don't, you still don't understand it. You still don't comprehend it even for yourself. So Bina is is breaking it down, understanding it, and making sure that you really have it. So Chachma is the flash, and Bina is the understanding. I understand, Rabbi, I'm jumping ahead here. Yeah. I want you to answer. It seems that on the, like the right column is mainly the masculine and the, uh, and the left is the feminine, but I think that Hesed and Gabor are in the wrong places. The masculine and feminine, the lines aren't actually drawn right or left. 
It's a little bit of a different system. It's not, it's not as simplistic as everything on the right side is, is masculine, everything on the left side is feminine. It starts off right, left, masculine, and feminine, but it doesn't follow through like that, as we'll see. As we'll see. So Chachma represents the masculine. Not that... Why? Because you have the idea of the seminal uh, uh, um, core of, 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 of insight that without building it out, without breaking it down, without actually developing into a full-fledged concept and idea, so that's more along the lines of a masculine energy. Whereas Bina, the process of taking that point, that, that, that what's called in, in Kabbalah, that Nukudah, that Nukudah Tamsis, that, that one point that contains everything, and then developing it and, and fleshing it out into something that's a real concept that has, that has three dimensions to it, that is a feminine quality. That is of, of, of a feminine energy. And that's what Bina is. That was the first thing we said last week. Then the next step we did was we explored the masculine and feminine within the subsequent energies. And we said that, with the exclusion of that, which is our third intellectual power, the bottom seven are divided into six and one. Chesed, Gvura, Teferet, Netzach, Yesod, loving kindness, severity, compassion, ambition, devotion, bonding, are six powers that are referred to in Kabbalah as Ze'er Anpin, which means the small face the acronym of which is Za, and the final energy is Malchut, leadership, that is, uh, that is called Nukva in Kabbalah. So there's Za and Nukva. Nukva is the Aramaic for Nekeva. What's Nekeva? Feminine. feminine. Nekeva is the feminine. So Malchut is the feminine energy, and the Za, the other six that precede, immediately preceded, are the masculine energy. What does all of this mean? So Nukva is Malchut. Nukva is a, is a euphemism. It's, a, it's just a synonymous term for Malchut. Okay. And Nukva literally means feminine. So it's not an acronym? No, 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 no. Za, the, mas- the six previous immediately preceding energies, they are collectively called Ze'er Ampin, which is a, a longer phrase. So, but Ze'er Ampin is usually uh, contracted into, into, the, into, the, into the word, the acronym Za. Okay. What does all of this mean? So we explained last week, and based on the week before as well, that all of those six energies, there are three emotional, three, uh, what we, we said, there are three emotional, and then there were three that lend itself to practical, right? What, 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 yeah? More towards action. More action-oriented. Right, so there's emotional, and uh, there's emotion and action-oriented energies. But here's the deal. The other six, Zah, they're all about, in a sense, the pure energy itself. It's chesed, loving kindness, a pure energy, the energy of severity. Every energy exudes itself in a full measure. The role of malchut, as we explained at length last week, of leadership, is really to, to take in all of those energies, to, to synthesize the energies, and to really understand what those, what those energies are, and to... to completely accept and contain and receive those energies, and then to produce something from that that is a brand new thing. So, we're, we're a little bit esoteric, but we, we, what we did was, we followed along the example of building a house. So we said, the, 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 build, creating a house, building a house, your dream home, begins with 
the light bulb going off. Chachma begins with a flash of I, I want to create, I want to build a house. It begins with that inspiration, intellectual inspiration, and then you understand what that vision looks like, and then you feel what you want, Chesed, what you don't want, Gvura, how to synthesize those together, the action steps, my budget, but but I so what what I want to do, what I can do. So you're blending all of these things together internally. Until it hits the Malchut stage. The Malchut stage is when it gets real, when it gets practical. That's how you translate all of the previous ideas and feelings, and even action feelings, action uh, parts of that inside, and you translate it into action, into actually delivering the product, which in this case is actually building the house. So Malchut, we're going we're gonna to get a little bit lateral now. Just so that we, What we're doing right now is the process of Bina, of understanding this concept. Of, of, all, of all these things. So part of Bina, the Bina process is giving lateral examples so that everything comes together. I'm going to give you a lateral example. A teacher and a student. The teacher has many ideas in his or her mind. Many ideas, some, some very profound, some not so profound, but many ideas on a given subject. So let's, let's talk about a very timely subject. Tu Bishvat. So this week, good morning, good to see you. This week is Tu Bishvat, the 15th of Shvat. On Wednesday is Tu Bishvat. Tu Bishvat, Two, why is it called two? Not two. I got two together. No. Two is Tes Vav. An acronym for Tes Vav. Which Tes, the, the numerical value of Tes is nine. Vav is six. Nine plus six is? Fifteen. So two Bishrat is the fifteenth of Shrat. So why don't we just say Yud and Hey? Because Yud is ten and Hey is five. Because that's Hashem's name. So we don't want to write it. Yud and Hey is, is God's name. So we... We put them together with the test and the, with the nine and the six instead of the ten and the five. That's a technical thing. Fun fact. We should have like a jingle that goes with the fun fact. Kabbalah <laughs> coffee fun fact. We need a soundboard there. Right? <laughs> One day we get lights, strobe lights, spotlights going on. Okay, let's let's regroup. I'm all excited about this fun fact thing. I don't know. It's really hard to get back on track now. So tubashvat. So imagine like this. So you're teaching a unit on tubashvat. So you have so many ideas in your mind, right? You, have, you as the teacher, so many ideas. Why is it the birthday of trees? What does it mean that it's a Rosh Hashanah of trees? The Rosh Hashanah, the, the New Year's for tr- birthday and the New Year's for trees. Why is a human being compared to a tree? In what way? The roots and the trunk and the branches and the fruit and many different examples and stories. And you have, you have hours of teaching material on Tubashvah. But you know that you have a lesson unit of, say, 45 minutes. So you have to compress... You have to go through a process of selecting and compressing what you're teaching or your information in order to deliver it in a comprehensible fashion. So you have to know a few different things. First of all, you have to know the material for yourself. You also have to know how much time you have. You have to know what your students already know what they don't know. You have to know what, what you want them to walk away with, what's going to make an impact on their life moving forward and not just get, just as they say, STEM information, just general information that, that's too random. You want them to walk away with something that's actually going to impact them and, and, and get them more in touch with what, whatever your objective is. You've got to create objectives. You've got to teach that objective. You've got to make sure while you're teaching that it's happening, etc. In other words, in other words, before the teacher opens his or her mouth to begin delivering the lecture, begins the presentation, the, the teacher is going through a process of filtering out, of compressing, filtering, readjusting, organizing the information with which to present to the students. Right? 
So this is all of the background work that happens before the presentation is done. In a similar way, we have all of these different energies. Let's talk about the nine, generally, nine energies before we get to Malchut. Malchut is also synonymous with Dibur, which is speech. Malchut is also about speech, because speech is the same thing. Speech means you're now conveying it, you're creating it, in a sense, in another. To another, for another, etc. Speech is, you're taking what you know, what you feel inside, and now you're sharing it with somebody else. That person is getting something, gaining information, uh, insight into your personality, feelings, etc., that they didn't know beforehand. So, you're creating something in that act. It's almost like the same example here before about creating a house, starting to build a house based on all of the things that you figured out beforehand. So there's a process of figuring out everything that you want beforehand, and then there's the actual process of delivering that. Whether it's speaking it into being, or whether it's actually beginning the, the action of building the house and building it into being, the point is that Malchut is where you move from the inside to the outside. From within to without, and it doesn't only mean within the human being. Last week we gave the example of a team, a corporate team. So you're working on a project together, and the question comes up, how should we proceed with, the, um, with this situation, with this case, with this, with this project, etc. So you bring everybody on the team together. So you have six people, and then a team leader. So all six give their opinion. This one says we should go this direction, that direction. No, we should do the middle direction. We should do. Everyone's got a different opinion. But then it's up to the leader to under. So what, what's the role of the leader in this case? To listen to all the ideas, to understand what's at the heart, at the essence of all the ideas, and to try to come up with an action plan that actually takes that val- that takes into account and values the input of everybody on the team. Now. What, what if there's input that's, that's, that's detrimental? So we're not talking about that. In other words, if there's input that's detrimental, so you're not necessarily going to listen to that. If it's bad advice, so then maybe it's not the, not the best thing to listen to. But this is all considering that all six, are, all six advisors or team members are actually contributing something positive to the discussion. But everyone has a different angle about how to proceed. So the leader is going to listen to all six, take the best filter out the, the, the good stuff from that which needs to be discarded, and then create a plan and, and, and create an action step moving forward that integrates and utilizes all of the, all of the positive ideas. Yeah. And why is that feminine? Because it's like a bird? So here's the deal. There's two reasons why. So, so what you're alluding to is, just to finish off this, po- this point, so the six, the six team members that are giving their opinion, those are the six energies that precede Malchut. Malchut is the energy of receiving, of, re- of receptivity, receiving, understand, re- really taking in, listening to all of the ideas, and then that gives rise to leadership, which is the birth of the next step of, of how we're moving forward. So really, why is it feminine? There's two parts to it. One is the ability to, to, to not come in, as I said last week, to not come in biased. Because the bias exists before. You want bias? Chesed is biased. Loving kindness is biased to giving, to love. Kvura is biased to severity. So you want bias? You already got bias. You can't handle the bias. No. Right, you want bias? We got, we got lots of bias already. Malchut comes in, lace lamigarme klum, as it says in Kabbalah. Malchut is an energy that doesn't bring in its own color, flavor, bias, etc. No prejudice. Malchut brings in, it's, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a perfect 
um, recipient to, re- to really receive that which comes into it, but not in a passive way. This is how we concluded last week. It's not a passive way. It's not that Malchut is completely passive. Because if it's completely passive, then nothing new comes from that. Understand that if it's just a cup that receives all six flavors, so you don't have something new, you have a, a, a mix-up of six flavors that's probably not going to taste good. Nothing productive is going to be born of that experience. It's just going to be very confusing. right? You have six different opinions. Hey, we're going to do all of them. Yeah, wonderful. Good luck. That's not leadership. That's, that's not being able to... That, that's, not leader, that's not leadership. That's just... I don't know what that is. That's chaos, right. That's chaos. That's, chaos. That's, a, that's, a, that's a good point. That's chaos. Malchut is not just receiving everything and spitting it back out. Malchut is really understanding everything without any personal bias. Really getting to understand and listening to, in a sense, it's connecting to the ideas on the deepest level possible. To cut through their own individual bias and to get to the heart of, well, what, what do you want? What are you saying? What are you really saying? And when you get to the heart of that, then you're able to hopefully synthesize all the pieces and produce something where everyone says, that's amazing. Think about um, like a book editor. Right? You, give, uh, you give the editor a manuscript that's not nearly done, that has many different parts and components, and maybe a story that's very fragmented, and maybe the author themselves doesn't even see all the pieces. And then the editor, the editor takes all the pieces, understands all the pieces, puts them all together, and then formulates a story that can, that, that, that's coherent. And that can, does this make sense? Okay. So Malchut... Yeah. Well, I just, when you were talking, I had this thought. What you're describing sounds almost like a computer in some ways. Like, it doesn't have a preconceived idea, whatever. And at the beginning of this class, you said, well, list all these different attributes, what would be male yes. and what would be female. Right. And I would say rational would be male and emotional would be female, yet you're calling this an, a female type thing. So I'm wondering how that would tie in. Okay, good. So I don't want to get, I don't want to get intellectual versus emotion. What I, want to, I want to go a, different, a slightly different direction here, or a different direction. Here, here's the way I'm going. Think about, now again, again, we have to be careful when we translate. This, this, is, this is our running um, disclaimer. We're talking about purely masculine energies and feminine energies. Now how that translates into men and women is a different story. Because every person has all of these ten powers. The masculine powers and the feminine powers. So we all have that blend. However, perhaps one could say that, that the feminine energy is more dominant in a woman and the masculine in a man. It doesn't have to be, but, but sometimes it happens. Now, or most of the time. Now here's the point. The point is like this. When you're dealing with Malchut, and you're talking about a, 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 a dimension that really in a sense, listens to what the others are saying and doesn't come in with its own, no, this is what we're doing. And it's really open to, to receiving and listening. And then you think of parenting. And you think of, perhaps, you know, a father and a mother. And the child comes, uh, the child comes over to the parents with a cut. Who's more likely, again, once we get into male and female, again, it's, I'm not, I don't want to stereotype, we're not stereotyping, but we can maybe say somewhat of a generalization, somewhat, we have to be careful, but anyway, so a kid comes with a boo-boo, with a cut, with a scrape, whatever it is, who's more likely in a sense to say, don't worry, you'll be okay, it's good, in other words, like, don't worry, it's, uh, it'll make you stronger, etc. And who's more likely to say, oh, yeah, I feel so bad, and get down, and really empathize with the child, with the, with the situation? Right? 
The mommy is, right? The mom is more likely to really get down, re- really listen and put themselves in the same space as the child. Not that a father can't do that. And not that that... And again, I'm not saying what's... The truth is, for a child, what's healthy is really to hear both. Here, let, me, let me phrase it in a different way. I don't think I said this recently here at Kabbalah and Coffee. This idea. Did we? We'll tell you. Tell You'll tell me. I think we may have. I think we may have. If somebody's in jail, how do you get out? Did we talk about this? No. No? Well, if, if, if you're in jail, right, just, right, you're in jail, right, you're wearing stripes and everything. Oh, wait. Okay, so you're... <laughs> oh, do they? Now, how, 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 <laughs> can you hear me now? All right. So, so you're in prison. You're in jail. How do you get out? How do you get out? Not good behavior. Oh, I was thinking. No, I was thinking good behavior. No, no. How do you break out? How do you not get out legally? Well, uh, yeah. From the outside. Oh. Wait, hold on. We got to break it down. There's really two parts to it. Inside. That's it. You need someone on the inside and someone on the outside. That's what you need. Well, think about it. You apps. No one watched Shawshank? Yes. No, but, but you need someone on the inside to smuggle the file and whatever it is and this and to keep things quiet. You need someone on the inside, but then you need someone on the outside because if you, yeah, you dig and you're out and then it's like, oh man, I don't have a getaway car. Bummer, I'm like walking. Okay, that's, that's not a good plan. You also have to have someone on the outside. I've thought about this a lot. No, okay. No, the truth is Kabbalah teaches, this is from, look, Kabbalah teaches a lot of things. This is the Kabbalah of jailbreak. Not iPhone jail. Okay, that's another story. All right, let's focus here. Okay, good. You need someone on the inside and someone on the outside, which is why, parenthetically, parenthetically, when it ca- when it comes to the story of the slavery in Egypt, we find a very interesting thing. When Jacob, our patriarch Jacob, Yaakov, passes away, what are his final instructions? Do not bury me in the land of Egypt. He was living in Egypt with the whole family. They came down for the famine, etc. He says, do not inter my remains in Egypt. Take me out of this place. Take me back to the land of Israel, or that which the land of Canaan, which would later become the land of Israel, whatever. Take me to the Holy Land, and bury me there in the cave of Machpelah in Hebron with my father and my mother and my grandfather, grandmother, etc. What does Joseph say before his passing? What are the instructions that Joseph gives? What does Joseph say? Joseph says, bury me here in Egypt. And when you leave, eventually, don't forget to take my remains. But you see the difference? Jacob, Yaakov says, Jacob says, don't, not one second in Egypt. Don't, don't put me in Egypt. Take me out right away. Joseph says, I'll, no, keep me in Egypt. But when you leave, don't leave me behind. So in, in a few hundred years, when you leave, take my remains. And there's a whole... How it happened, we spoke about Remember in the sukkah? When we did it in the sukkah, we spoke about how they couldn't find it. It was the night of the exodus. They were about to leave. And they needed, where's Joseph? They knew they had to get his remains. So Moses wrote on a piece of paper, which, which means rise ox. Because Yosef, Joseph, was compared in, in, in the blessing of Jacob before his passing to an ox. So he threw that into the Nile River. They had buried him in the, within, inside the Nile River. And the remains rose. Later on, by the sin of the golden calf, so... 
some people found that scrap of paper or whatever it was, that, that parchment, and they, they, they kept it. When it came to the center of the golden calf and all the gold was in the fire, they took that parchment, this, that script, and put it into the, into the fire. And out came Shar, out came the ox, out came the golden calf. Anyway, but that's, that's kind of a related story. Anyway, the point is that, but that's neither here nor there, or everywhere. So, Jacob says, do not bury me in the land of Egypt. And, and Joseph says, bury me in the land of Egypt. Just, what's the difference? Or, or, or why... The truth is you need both. You need, you need someone on the outside. You need the, inst- you need the help of Jacob that's above the fray, that's above the, the slavery, that's on the outside. But you also need encouragement and hope from the inside. You need Joseph, you need a leader from the inside, in a sense, his inspiration, to, to remember that it's, that it's going to get better, to feel the pain, but also to drive you to keep on moving forward and, and, and outward. So to get out of a situation... To see, to get out of a, of a negative situation or a confining situation, you really need help from the outside and also help from the inside. So, in a sense, this is the role that parents play. One message is: look at the bigger picture; you'll be okay. From the outside, in other words, here's the outside perspective: you'll be okay in the long run. It'll be good. You'll be stronger. You'll be tough. You'll gain. You'll gain a character, right? A scar is character, whatever it is. You'll. Here's the bigger... Let me share with you the bigger picture. And you already have five band-aids on you. Right. And then the other, the other perspective is being there with you in the pain. Empathy. Is the empathy of being within. This is the dual role that parents can play. One, again, it doesn't have to be defined. The point is that one shows the child a bigger picture and one, show, and one is there in, with the child in that moment of, of pain. So the child... Forget physical pain. Let's talk about emotional pain child comes home from school and the child is bullied or taunted or teased or whatever it was, the child is now feeling is, 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 is either crying externally or internally. Whatever. The child is feeling bad emotionally. So there's no, there's no physical. So it's a, to, to just say, well, you'll be fine, don't don't listen to them. Ah, they don't know what they're talking about. Ah, don't, don't listen. Who are they to tell you? Nah, don't, don't listen to them. You're stronger. You're better than them. Ah, disregard what they're saying. Sticks and stones, da 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 On one level, it's valuable to hear, not to get stuck in that place of feeling, that your feelings define the, the, for reality. But it's also, in a sense, discarding the experience or disregarding, in a sense, um, uh, invalidating the experience, the emotional experience that the child is feeling. So, uh, so it's necessary for parents to really express the fact that they do feel what the child, that they do understand what the child is feeling. And, and in a sense, be there in that moment, in that pain. At the same time, if the parent is, is feeling the same pain as the child, so now you have two miserable people. Two miserable people. So you also need a perspective from the outside. Right? So you, the point is, you always need both. Right? You always need that, that, that duality. I'm sort of stuck on this Malkut being without bias. How's that possible? I mean, it would seem like the Malkut energy, in order to not have any bias, has to be guided by some kind of principles that are beyond and outside of that energy. Or How's it possible to not... So, if Malchut is all about really listening to Chesed and Gvura and Teferet and Netzach and Hod and Yisod, 
It's about really connecting with what they're saying, with what they're speaking, with what they're projecting. So to really connect, to really listen means that you're not bringing your own... It's like, it, it's like the example of the child. It's like you're really listening to the child's pain. You're not saying, oh, well, I know it's going to be better. The, the bias within the parent is basically is to say, well, I know that, listen, this is it's just a scratch. It's not like the end of the world. Like, you'll get over it. It'll be fine. That's a bias because you're bringing your perspective. To really listen, empathy, listening, really means that you're, you're, you're moving into that space. At the same time, you're not moving into the space where you've completely lost any sense of... This is where it gets tricky. Does this, does this address at all your question? Or, or you're asking practically, how is that possible? I'm asking practically, how does one... Or how, how is there something... Because if, 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 if Malkut filters a particular energy, they're, t- they're resonating with something in that energy and not with something else in that energy. Okay, so the missing... Unless there are really strong principles that guide it that are beyond or outside of bias. Oh, so I think that that ties into a point that I've omitted, yeah. Yeah, the way I heard it last time, it was the, the bias was the, the, the bias of harmonizing the different energies. If anything, it had that creative bias. That creative, right, which is the second step, but also there's another point that, I, that I've omitted, which is a very important point. And that point is that Malchut is really connected to the beginning. That's beyond this chart. Malchut, as the lowest, has a power of Keter, of the crown, of, of that which is beyond this whole system. So it has that power that's beyond, beyond, the, beyond the bias, in a sense. So it is infused. I think that's really what you're wondering. What is that? It absolutely is connected. The, as we know in Kabbalah, always, the end is always connected with the beginning. And the lower something appears... The higher something is. So, ju- I ju- I, I, I'm going to take a question in just one second. Oh, go, go, yeah. Well, and it's like Kepler, we talked before, like the vision. I mean, like if you're building a house, Malchus is connected with the vision of the house, and so it's filtering things. It's even before the vision. It's the, it's the Keter is really, we've discussed that pleasure and will that, are beef, that precede wisdom and understanding, that precede the, the, the way the mind understands it, or even can, can conceive it. There's a certain pleasure that the Malchut is connected with the pleasure. Malchut intrinsically knows what's going to be good and what's not going to be good. In other words, what's going to be what's going to hit the objective and what's not going to hit the objective. But the objective, I mean, there's got to be something in a practical sense that Malchut is connected with when you use the word objective, objective vision, something of what you're leading towards. I guess is what I'm trying to get at. So, but you're saying that. Well, but, but Chesed is presenting its vision of what's good. And Kavur is presenting its vision of what's good. Malchut's bias is really with the truth, with the pure, with that pure I sense. I guess you're asking the truth about what? Yeah, without yeah, direction, yeah. The there's the topic. Yeah, it's the empirical truth. It's the absolute truth. But if you're in a position of leadership for an organization, say, for example, it, it's not just like what's true, it's like what's the mission of this yeah. organization. Mm. It's got to be connected to Absolutely. No, that's what it is. For that, for that, in that context, absolutely, right, right. Every cat there is going to be the crown for that structure that's beneath it. No, absolutely, I'm with you. I think I think we're saying the same thing in maybe different terms. But the idea here is that when we talk about vision, I just want to be careful because when we use the word perfect, because when when we um, when we talk about um, vision. Vision could also sound like Chachma and Bina, the intellectual vision. I want to say it's even deeper than that. Not that when you get deeper, it gets less particular. On the contrary, the essence of the soul, 
Well, it really has both dimensions. It's really beyond the particular, but it's also the essence of that particular being. So it's the most particular to it. But anyway, the point is that Malchut has the ability to really listen. And and this is the new concept that we've discussed today, that we haven't discussed before. This difference, this distinction between masculine and feminine energies, and again, how it applies, how it comes down, your mileage may vary, but here's the point. The masculine energy is more of, well, this is what I'm saying, this is what I'm doing. This is, this is it. I, I got, my, I got my, my chesed perspective or my guru perspective. I got my perspective and that's what's going on. Whereas malchut, which is the feminine energy, is more of, well, let me, let me really connect with what you're saying. Let me empathize. Let me, let me connect. Let me listen to what you're saying. Let me hear what you're saying. At the same time, the second element of malchut is not only to connect, but then to produce and then create. Which is why the power of creation is a feminine power. The earth, you ever hear the expression Mother Earth? So there's truth to that in Kabbalah. Earth is feminine. Physically the earth, again, Tubashran. You plant a seed, you plant a tree, and the tree grows or the flower grows. The power of growth, according to Kabbalah, lies more in the earth than in the seed. You hear that? Kabbalah teaches that the power of growth, the Koach HaTzmicha, the power of growth... Smicha lies not in the seed, but in the earth. I don't know what, what perhaps the thought is out there in the world. And I don't, I'm not a, a botanist, if that's the right term. I, I don't, this is not my field. But I'll tell you what Kabbalah says. And then you can either, either it fits or it doesn't fit. But this is what Kabbalah teaches. Kabbalah teaches that here's how it works. The seed inspires listen to this it's amazing the seed inspires the power of growth within the earth and then the earth sprouts forth it's not that let's understand it's not that the seed is turning into let's say a tree right yeah what kind of seed let's let's, let's give, me, give me a practical example what kind of seed are we talking about acorn and oak tree okay is that the same thing or two different things Acorn and oak is one thing? Yeah. Again, I'm not a... Uh, listen, it's good. Okay, acorn and oak tree. Huh? That's not yeshiva. It's not yeshiva. But, but I will tell you that ultimately everything is... It's another story. So, acorn and oak. So, what do the seeds look like? Do they look like acorn? They look like acorn. acorns. There you go. That's exactly... Surprisingly... Spinning image. Yeah. You would have never known that they were you know the, the, the difference. And, and actually, <laughs> okay. So you take the acorn and you put. It, so you would think like this: so How does it work? So you're ta- so the acorn. That's that's what's going to grow into the tree, right? What it's like one of those one of the kids you have those like little um, little like uh, capsules, right, with the jelly stuff, and you put it in hot water, and then it, like it opens up, and it's like a, oh, it's like a spongy thing. So it's like it was there. It just needed to be opened up, but it's all there. So it's like the acorn has the tree inside, really small tree. And then the earth, I, that's just kind of a cool place to put it. But really what's happening here is that from that thing is like the tree is growing. That's how, maybe how we think. And whatever science says is, is, is fine, but this is what Kabbalah says. The, acorn, the power of growth, the tree is coming from the earth. But it's not going to produce anything unless it is, in a sense, stimulated to do so. If it falls on stony ground, it won't grow. 
Well, in other words, but we, what's it? Kabbalah says the seed never grows. The seed rots. The seed decomposes. And once the seed decomposes, then the earth sprouts forth. But how does the earth know what to sprout forth? When will the earth, two things, when will the earth sprout forth and how does it know what to sprout forth? Only when and by what it's being stimulated by. Make sense? Seed is a. All six energies. Forget the three intellectual for a moment. But it's, yeah, it's basically all the preceding energies. And that seed is a composite of different energy. The seed is a particular form of energy. It's a bias. Right? It's got its thing. What the earth is doing, again, the earth is giving it a place, in a sense, a safe place for it to decompose. And then the earth, in turn, produces... So is Malchut the earth? Yes. Malchut is the earth. It's the ultimate receiver, but then the ultimate creator. And Malchut is also the feminine. The earth is feminine, but it's also the biological feminine, female. Which... Again, the power of birth, the koach haholada, there's koach ha which is the power of growth for, for, tree, for, for plants and trees. And then you have the koach haholada, the power of birth, childbirth, is a feminine power. And it's coming from the female, coming from the woman, coming from the mother. It's only that, in order for that process to begin, there's the contribution of the male. But the point is that the power of birth and the process of birth is entirely a feminine, a feminine uh, power. So this is the way Kabbalah explains Malchut, feminine energy, the earth, childbirth, etc. It's all the same. There's two processes. One is being a, a recipient in, a, in the truest sense of the form. In other words, really... And it's not a passive, it's an active receiving, of really receiving, really connecting with what you're getting. Right, because somebody could be listening and like, yeah, I'm listening, I'm not listening, I'm not really connecting, I, don't, I could just spit back towards what you're saying, but I don't really connect. So it's an active receiving, where you're really taking in, really absorbing what is being given, and then taking that and creating something from that. That didn't exist before. And again, the way Kabbalah explains this, it's not that the acorn, the oak and acorn tree existed in miniature form in that acorn. Right? And that if you like, if you took an x-ray, you'd say, oh, it's a little cute tree. Oh, we just need to like kind of, just need to crack it open and it'll pop out. It's not how it works. The power of the tree, the tree comes from the earth. How does the earth know what to do? Is it going to be an apple tree? Is it going to be an acorn? An acorn? How does it know? Based on whatever seed is stimulating it, that, and then it produces in a certain way. But the, but the tree is growing from the earth. Yeah. So, bringing it back to the practical in terms of human beings, Say there, you know, we're all sharing our ideas or whatever it is. We're working on a project together, and then Mahu, <coughs> the leader is, is taking those ideas, synthesizing them, whatever. If you use the same analogy, or is it, does it um, imply then that we are going to be changed by whatever Mahu does with? I want, to get, I want to get back to your example. No, let's, let's fall through the example, you know, just sticking right to the example. Malchut now, the leader, is really bringing something new to the table. You see that? Yeah. Malchut in reality is not just regurgitating. It's not saying, okay, you're there, you're there, we're going to put them all together and, and that's what we're doing. Malchut is actually, there's a new birth, there's something new happening here, but it's a product of really getting the, 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 what, the ideas that, was, that, that were given to it or yeah. to that person. I understand that, but to continue it, yeah, yeah. so in the tree example, the input, the seed is 
decomposed. It's not what it was before. It's now rotted, from what you said. Hopefully, we don't rot. But is the implication that we are somehow changed, that something mm. is decomposed, or something changes by that process? Very good. The way it's understood, here, here it gets a little, a little bit of a distinction here. I understand exactly what you're saying. But really, the decomposition happens within Malchut. Hold on, I have to explain what happens. Within the earth, the, the seed decomposes. But if you ask the acorn, that's the, this, I'm still who I am. In other words, in other words, the ideas as they are understood, as within the leader, the ideas that come in, they, the ideas now decompose, and then the leader comes out with an idea. But the individuals themselves don't necessarily change through the, through the process, which is why. And this ex- actually leads into the to, to, to really where we're going with all of this. Which is why the previous powers are disconnected from the result that's produced, from that which comes from all this. Their ideas were are, are the, the source or, or, or inspired and stirred and stimulated the leader to produce something, etc. But the individuals themselves, or those energies themselves, they're removed from this process. You understand? The process happens inside of Malchut. The decomposition and the birth happens within Malchut. But the previous, and, and whatever energies they, they, they were received are changed, but within Malchut. But the energies themselves stand above the process. So again, there's a disconnect between that which lies above Malchut and that which Malchut produces. To the extent that it's possible that the, that the energies that stand prior to Malchut don't recognize, don't recognize the end result. And don't see necessarily within the new result what they contributed. Does that make sense? Exactly. They don't see how they are necessarily found in the new in, in the new uh, in the new experience. Why? Because they're removed from that process. On, for themselves, they never experienced the process of de- of decomposition. They just gave their input. They gave their. This is what I feel. I feel very strongly about this. It, the decomposition happened within the earth, within the leader. So that's why. Just to just to round out the analogy, with the with. It, and we have to be careful here, but with, the ma- with, with childbirth, the male is in a sense removed from the process. And the male doesn't necessarily see how, resemblance aside, the male ne- doesn't necessarily feel like this is a direct connection. This is the child. This is part, yeah. So assuming that everyone has all of these particular energies in them, Yes. the healthiest process is to feel in particular these energies when you're before synthesizing, before any action, to feel the love, to feel these energies, and then to somehow detach from the really strong bias that they all represent you know, to inter- you're talking about how do we do this yeah, internally? Yeah. To really to listen not to to any one particular energy, but to recognize that they all exist in their own with their own resonance, and then somehow filter them through and come 
and let malchut emerge. That's that's exactly what ha- that's exactly the process. To with that, in order to really in, internally, really be able to listen, <coughs> to be able to be conscious of oneself, right. to really understand the internal dialogue that goes on at every moment of the day between the different parts of a, of a person. All of this is about, on, in a sense, being mindful about the experience. or being con- It's about a conscious experience, right? Because typically we act on impulse. This is how I feel, this is what I want to do, this is how I've been doing it, whatever, habit, um, uh, impulse, whatever. We just act. This is all about understanding the process of where action, healthy action comes from. In other words, let me just modify what you're saying with a little bit of a twist. Nothing new, but the implication here is before we act, we have to really make sure that, we're, that the process is, is being done. In other words, that we're really considering, the uh, understanding the options of, of what we're about to do, really understanding, and then really making sure that this is... I'm not, I'm not saying it correctly now with the right terms, but the point is that it's really a message before we act, or as I said before, Malchut is also akin to, uh, uh, compared to speech, before we speak, to make sure that what we're speaking and what we're doing is, is producing something that's worthy of being produced. That's it. One is just is just saying, oh, I feel chesed, boom, I'm going to do chesed. But then we're bypassing malchut. Right. We're bypassing the process. The other one is being mindful and, 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 and really allowing a synthesis to happen and then producing something that's going to look radically different. Which is why, I, let's just make it very simple, because that sounds like very theoretical. Think about when you've worked on something and collaborated with somebody else. And you've really listened, you've really worked together. And think about how much how different and how much better the end result is. Very simple example. When you do something, because, well, that's how I felt, so I did it like that, I wrote, the, I, I wrote up that piece, or I composed that, or I did, like, I did something, but I didn't collaborate, so it came out, you know, kind of came from a certain place. Think about how limited that is compared to when you actually work in collaboration with somebody else and really are going through the process of listening and synthesizing and giving rise to something that's radically different, better, than, than what you were able to produce on your own. And that's really what we're talking about. Now, the process, it could happen, not only when collaborating with somebody else, but with their internal collaboration. It's very difficult to do so. It's very difficult. But it's possible. But it's possible. One question here, then we're going to go right now. Um, so, I have a question based on uh, uh, the child you know, coming in, and then you can <laughs> compassionate, and then... You want to be true to you know what's what's in the best interest of this child's abilities and um, potential. So you know how does Malchut come up with the you know the guidance? You know what, and then I would equate it to the um, say a coach wants to uh, look at his players and, and impose the system versus looking at what the player's skills are mm. and then adapting the system according to the skills. I guess. You know, how, how can you be true to... Um... It's, a great, it's a great question. Also, like, you're giving rise to great examples. First of all, because it's a sports analogy, which I love. <laughs> so, so you get, like, points for that. So that's... A lot of commercials to go before that, that happens. Oh, is that... No, oh, well, the beginning... Yeah, it'll, oh, yeah, that was a commercial. It, it, it'll happen, right? So here's the deal. Look, you, you have... Let's, let's speak sports for a second. So you have, like... 
you have certain teams, let's say, let's talk about football. So you have certain, because, because we, huh? Coincidentally. So you have, no, what Yaakov was saying is true. You have certain teams that will say, this is our system. This is how we run. This is our offense. This is our defense. We'll pull in players that fit the system. And if they don't, well, they have to adapt to the system. And then you have other teams that will change the system based on, on the talent, based on the players that they have. So based on, so, so you have uh, a quarterback that's, uh, that works in a different way. Like, <laughs> the point is that you can modify. So you can modify. Well, I, I, it's a sore spot for no other reason other than Tebow beat Pittsburgh Steelers in, in, in the playoffs. So I'm not going to... Anyway. Huh? What you got for Tebow and Tebow? I, I, yeah, I don't even know football at all, but I just knew there was a Tebow reference. There was a, there's a, there's a Tebow. Kabbalah and Tebow. Anyway, the point is that... Um, Tebow loves you. So, so you have... You've got to get back to this. So you have... You know, you're right. So the question is, what's the right approach? Is that the question? What's the right... Is the approach to impose? I, I would say that the Malchut approach is really to get feedback of what your team can do, what your players can do, and then create a new system based on what you've integrated from that. In other words, this, this, is, this is a very good... Uh, uh, I don't know if it's a perfect example, but what comes to mind is that this is a good example of it. One is saying, well, this is what we want to do, and this is what we're going to do. This is our system, and we're sticking to our system. Ugh. Uh, we've got a system. We're champions, right? We're on top of AOL. We own the internet. 1994. That's what happens, right? You get stuck and you get, no, this is how we're doing it and everyone's going to change to us and that's it. You gotta li- if you want to grow, you've got to listen. You've got to be open. Think about, think about all the great companies. Think about Apple. Why is Apple... The moment Apple stops innovating, stop, st- is stopping to listen to what people want and to really understand and to then create something new that people have never seen before, the moment that stops happening is the moment that they lose what they have. We all know this to be true. If somebody says, no, I'm chesed, so I'm always going to make the same type of product because that's what, that's, that's what I feel. Wonderful. So you make a product and keep it in your basement. No one's going to buy it. It's not going to... Success, true leadership means... It's not that, okay, there's a, lot, there's a lot to talk about here. There's a lot, to, tons to talk about here. And I'm not saying that Steve Jobs is the penultimate leader, and I'm not saying that he's not even not the penultimate. It doesn't make a difference. But the point is, you have here, the question is like this. Is the leader imposing his or her vision? Or is the leader coming up with something new based on input? And I would say based on the success of certain products, Etc. it's clear that what you're having here is not one person that's saying, well, this is what I want. Because when people say that, typically, it ends up not resonating with others. Are we getting too esoteric here? No. It's no, all no. kind of making sense? We're getting something good. Yeah, because you're, you're actually listening to It the happens group. like once every hour and a half. Yeah, you're uh, listening to the group and you're coming up with the solution. That's right. On the, what the group needs, not what you need. Exactly. It's, this is all this is Malchut. Malchut means you're creating something brand new. Let's understand. Wait, I think may, maybe I didn't explain it. I think we talked about it, but maybe I didn't like, clarify it. Malchut is creating something that never existed. Malchut is not just taking six energies and spitting them back out. <laughs> it's not Malchut. That's chaos, as we said before. And that's not creating something new. Malchut produces something brand new that never existed before. But it can only produce something that is worthy of producing if it takes into consideration all of the different perspectives that precede it. And it really listens. What do you want? What are you saying? What are you saying? And then we're going to create something brand new. 
That's the idea. At that moment of creation, how does it? How does Malchut know what to? You know, what I mean, just whatever inspire inspiration comes up. Or? This is the power of Malchut. Now, how how does Malchut work? So we, I spoke a little bit before about Malchut is connected with the top, which where the the the, the ultimate essential energy lies, that of creation itself. In other words, in a sense, Malchut is connected with God, God's essence. That has the true power of creation. Um, at the same time, from there is the, is a place that transcends bias, and that's how. It, now, how does it work practically? Look, can we ever say that we are truly free of bias? That we're truly listening without any without any bias? The more a person really understands, again, let's let's use a business model. Let's talk about Apple. The more Apple or any company really understands what the consumer wants, they can truly create a product that addresses the needs of the people. And it's about being a vision. It's about anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think the example of American football. Yeah. Um, on one, on the one hand, it seems like a bad example. On the other hand, maybe not such a bad example because it's extremely masculine. You know, uh, uh, the, the the best coaches, the most successful coaches, are the baddest coaches. The, the players are the baddest players, and they deify. You know the, the people from the past that had a, that's this very simple-minded, I'm going to run it down your throat kind of approach, like Vince Lombardi. Well, I I, I would modify, but I, I understand. Your, wait, continue your point because I I got something. Yeah. But but there seems to be, I mean, there seems to be, Malkut seems to be missing from that equation. And when when favored teams lose, it's usually because they didn't think of something. They they kept trying to do the same thing. Over and over. Oh, and I, I think it's actually a perfect example because look at the greatest coach today. It's a cleverman named Bill Belichick, and he is, he modifies. He's always creative. He always modifies the system. He's on the contrary. He's never again. This shouldn't be a, a class on football, but the shouldn't be. But hey, it is <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday. You can't get away from it. It's in the air. No, but the point is, on the I would say on the contrary that. Oh, you're right, there is a certain old schoolness and a certain masculine old school. This is what we're going to do, uh, type thing. But look, today, the most successful coach, arguably, obviously, the most, arguably the most brilliant and successful coach, is the one that is, uh, that is shaking it up. Two tight end formations, without getting into details. I mean, you have... Three tight ends. Three tight ends. You have uh, a defense, uh, uh, wide receivers playing, playing defense back. Again, so this is not the Kabbalah... And and this is not Kabbalah and kick-up. This is my game plan right here. Anyway, but here's... Again, again, I just, I just want br- to bring it back. I understand your point, and I would say, on the contrary, that in modern times, we're finding now that, on the contrary, coaches that are, that are willing to listen and adapt are finding more long-term success. Maybe in the short term, if, if you have a system and it happens to work, maybe you'll be successful. But in the long term, someone that can have su- sustained success is somebody that's actually listening, is actually understanding what talent they have, and modifying their system based on the players that they have. And that is, the, the, in my opinion... That is the only way to have long-term success. One thing I'm, I'm missing, though, is earlier it sounded like you were heading in the direction of saying that Malchut, if it has a bias, has the bias of Keter, the bias of what was known from the beginning that comes out at the end. <coughs> is, that, is, is that different than being connected to God more purely or the same? Same. So that is a kind of a bias, right? It's ultimately... The it's some, there's somewhat of a bias there, but the bias... Look, can we ever truly get out of, of any bias? Not necessarily. I, I mean, 
yeah, there's a certain point you get to to the idea that a, a, a pure bias. When I say pure, I mean like the purest form of bias is not really considered a bias. Does that make sense? I'm thinking about it in terms of use the childbirth analogy. So the child, the the, the seed is contributed. Right. It decomposes. Correct. If that's the analogy, the right. mother actually creates. Correct. Um, but the bias is, if I'm if I'm understanding what you said earlier, that God knew before the child was created by the mother what the child was going to look like. That all of the combinations of all the energies were sort of in that process. I hear what you're saying. I'm not. I wasn't actually going there to no. say that that it's. Would I, I was. Bias be though that the soul was meant to be part of that. Mother. Once we get into souls, well, that's that's something else because the Talmud says there are three partners in creation. It says the mother and father are contributing to the body, and God provides the soul. So that's already that's already something. That God takes care of anyway on the outside. Okay. Well, separatism. No, no, no. But no, it's a good question. But I'm thinking more along the lines of the power of Malchut to, to really create something new, to really get creative, is a divine power. In other words, the power of the earth that within a space of decomposition to turn that into growth, that is, that is, that is beyond any, any particular energy to do. That's connected to something higher. That, that's that's when I threw in the concept that it's connected with 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 a with a divine with a godly energy, God's essential energy, so to speak. Not to the point that it necessarily loses some of the bias that we spoke about vis a vis vis a vis keter, but that the idea that it can produce something brand new, in a sense, from nothing, because when everything decomposes, what you're you're left with the essence, but you're also left with you're really creating something new in the sense of you're not just just refashioning something that already was. You're really creating something brand new. Yeah, vis-a-vis the masculine energies, I get it. Right. That it is creative, but it's still ultimately a something that was of the divine creative power. Exactly. Right. Ultimately, that's where the divine creative power finds expression. Or is, yeah. you know, where do you see, if I ask you a simple question, where do you see the power of creation here on earth, you would say within childbirth and within the earth. The two feminine, in a sense, where do you see, you know, if we speak of God as the creator, which God is not limited to being creator, but if you speak of God as creator, where do you see the power of God as creator? Where do you see the creative power in, the, in, in our reality? These are the two places, all connected with the feminine energy, all connected with Malchut. Is this why Jewish identity follows the mother? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because as connected as a father is, there's still an essential connection that the mother has that transcends... Uh, again, we're talking about a deeper connection in that process of birth that, uh, that Malchut, Mother Earth has, etc. Yeah.
that we that we're going into, and that and and, and so that and, and everything that we learn is after the fact. When we're doing it, we're doing it because we've transcended our rational ego and, and are going on on a, a super consciousness that's beyond consciousness. And so, so and then and it was just faith. We're trusting the instruments of our panel to give us where And hopefully we're in touch with with well, a with, yeah, a, with a piece of truth and not with something that, that we're thinking. That it's an alignment yeah. that, that that's not based on you know that, that the equipment in your plane was not given because of somebody I, that they bribed the manufacturer. So I want to along those lines I want to along those lines I want to I want to point out one thing along those lines that really this is the role that Torah and Mitzvot play. Because God says these are these. This is what will keep you on course. So I once heard from somebody who either was a pilot or a relative was a pilot, and the scariest part, the scariest moment of flying, is when the pilot experiences vertigo. Right, right. So vertigo means, from my understanding, that you're flying the airplane, or one of the vis-a-vis uh, flying an airplane, and suddenly you feel like you're either going down or up or right or left. You feel like you're you're going somewhere else, and you make an adjustment, and that will that could take the plane down. In other words, you might be going perfectly on course, but you feel like you're going down, or you feel like you're going up, and you readjust, and that 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 causes, God forbid, disaster. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. So, what do you have to do when you have vertigo? What do they tell pilots? You got to rely. You got to like put your head down. And then you gotta, you got, but you gotta completely trust the instruments. You gotta trust the panel. Even if every part of you says, "Go right, go left, go up, go down," was, was the, if, even if every part of you says, "Make a correction, make an adjustment," but you you gotta follow that panel because that panel or the instruments because that will keep you straight. So I, I think there's a lot there's a lot of lessons to be taken from that idea. Yeah. I would say there's about, I mean, it's nice to be all over huge things like, you know, creation of a, of a child, but I think just in everyday moments, it can sometimes even just be in a conversation where sure. you feel like something, something else is entered in. So I just wanted to share that. Absolutely. You listen to the other person, and then you're producing advice or an idea that you didn't have before. And it, there's, there's a process there. Malchut. We are changed by it. You know, like, we're not, you know, the energies themselves not be changed, but I think if we step back and just notice what's happened, that there is a transformation. A, a, some sort of transformation. Yeah. Because God talks to us through other people. That's also, the question is, are we listening? And that's what Malchut is really, first and foremost, is being able to, to be receptive to that, to the message, to the other, and then to be able to, to do something amazing with that. Now, I just want to point out, once I just want to point out one thing like this. 
So we have in, in our spiritual service, let's, 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 let's kind of understand the application of this in another way. We've talked about this before. There are two types. You know, we all deal with um, internal challenges. When I say internal challenges, we're, we're dealing with you know, our yates or hara, evil inclination, or our nefesh of Bahamas, our animal soul. We're dealing with, you know, it says, do this, don't do this, do that, whatever, you know, don't get a shul, sleep in, whatever it is. So the question is, how do you deal with that, right? How do you deal with the, the stuff that, uh, the, 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 what we might call the negative voices that are inside of us? So Kabbalah teaches that there are two basic, two basic approaches. Well, not the approach of, of just succumbing and listening to the negative, but how do, we, how do we go against the negative? So, one approach is called iskafia, or itkafia. And one is called ishapcha, or ithapcha. One is iskafia, I'm just going to do the, the, uh, the Ashkenazic translation, because that's what I'm used to. Iskafia and ishapcha. One means you are... Um, Iskafia. That means you are subduing, subduing the right term? Yeah, one is you're subduing the negative voice. So you have um, an inclination to, let's say, take revenge. So instead of taking revenge or to get angry, so instead of doing it, you, you subdue, you push it to the side and you make sure that you're doing the right thing. You don't listen, you suppress. Good. You suppress the negative and you keep on sticking with the positive. That's step one in our divine service. Step two is transformation. Step two is when, it's not that there are all these, in a sense, distractions or negative things that we're suppressing and pushing to the side, hopefully, and still going down, the, the, still doing the right thing. But on the contrary, we're taking the negative, or that which, right, that which is opposing to the right, and we're actually transforming it into an ally for goodness. In other words, and this gets a little bit more complicated, how do we do this? But we're actually transforming the animal soul into becoming an ally for the godly soul, for the divine soul. The lower self becomes, um, uh, becomes part of, joins the team for the higher self. So there's a transformation that happens. I spoke about this a little bit, I alluded to it last week. Until Messianic times, we find the concept of war. War means, and again, war is subjective because there's two sides, but war means that I, I recognize an enemy, and so I need to subdue, suppress, defeat the enemy in order that I can continue. The other way, the other model is not subduing or suppressing the enemy, but getting the enemy to, to, join, the, to join the team. Negotiate. Negotiate. Bringing harmony and peace. I was getting the, the, getting the... Kabbalah teaches that these are the two basic approaches for ourselves. Either we can feel the anger, and we feel the anger, and we, we, we suppress it, or we can use, let's say, the anger against itself, and use the anger to get angry, why am I getting angry? This is just a simple example, so maybe even a silly example. But as you're utilizing it, you're, you're utilizing it for a positive purpose, so now you're transforming the energy into, from a negative energy into a positive energy. Which is masculine, which is feminine? Think about it. Think about it. Exactly. The idea of, I'm going to be strong, and I'm going to push it to the side, and I'm going to be determined to, to do the right thing, even though I have these other, uh, these other notions, these other things. The, the idea of, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to push it away because I've got to do the right thing. That's a masculine approach. Feminine approach is, come, come join the team. 
understand why this is part of it, and others come join the team and create that harmony. Which is why the Messianic era, we spoke about this a little bit last week, is, is a feminine era. It says, It says the feminine, the, the female, will be her superiority over the male. And again, whether it's energy or... or, or, or will be recognized in the Messianic Era. Messianic Era is all about the predominance of the feminine energy over the masculine energy. The idea is that, that unfortunately, or whatever, the reality is that, and again, it's not limited to men or women, but this is just a general, the reality of the world, in a sense, is when we deal with an issue, typically, or the first stage at least is, to say, well, I, I, I feel the distraction, I'm going to push it away. That's, that's a mass, that would be channeling a masculine energy. And men and women can do this, but it's a masculine energy, the idea of pushing it aside and not, bring it into the, not harmonizing it into, 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 into that space of goodness. Whereas the feminine aspect would be, the feminine approach would be to actually harmonize it and transform it so that it too is now part of, part of, the, positive, uh, part of, part of the positive space. Yeah. I sort of always bring it back to the parenting issue. So, you know, there's one way when the kid comes in to, to disregard the fact and not acknowledge what they're feeling at all. The other way right. is to say, I feel what I, I accept and understand, and, you know, you do it with, to acknowledge the feelings, but, not, but find a way to not be debilitated by them. That's a healthy Malchut leadership where you're hearing, you're really hearing and you're connecting, but you're not paralyzed by, oh, well, now I have six opinions, now what? You know, you're able to then come up with something constructive, which means that in the ultimate sense, Malchut is the ultimate form of leadership, of, 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 of stepping forward. Malchut is the ultimate way to do this. So all of this... Yeah, um, yeah going back, the simple question would be, um, once the kid comes in, and um, definitely don't uh, uh, invalidate their emotions, because they don't right. have... Then you have to spend money on therapy later. Right. But, or make so, money with a tell Okay, so uh, let's say you, you validate their, their emotions and then they move through their emotions. So how do you know, how does Malhut know of all the creative, <coughs> the creative things to do? You know, is there one right one? Or can you just pick and choose something positive and, you know, let's roll with Look, it? Look, you're asking a great question. I mean, this is, this is, this is uh, you know, you're saying, let's, let's, let's make it real. So the kid comes in, your child comes in, or right, it comes in, or a student to a teacher. He says, "This is my issue. These are the feelings. This and that." So, how actually do you proceed, and what advice do you actually give? It's going to depend on the. Ch- it's going to depend on really listening to all that's going on, and then being in a space where you're connected with some higher, deeper vision, where you can where you can help instruct. In other words, it's going to be a real. It's going to be a process of, in a sense, soul searching for the parent or for the educator. And and the easier route is to say, "Well, this is what you should do. Just whatever. Just do whatever comes." Or, or, or invalidate it. it was just, what I'm saying is, it's, it's, you're asking a brilliant question, but it's something that we can't, we can't answer on one foot. Because, it's, it's gonna be because that's, that's going to be the process. It's going to be right, based on, on, on the situation, on the child, and on the individual that is connected, that's in that, that's in that role of leadership, to be able to, to, to channel all that and to really listen. Well, the point here is I, that know, education and guidance is the absolute most, I don't even know the word, it's not, it's not only key, difficult, key, essential, transformative. I mean, it's everything. It's everything. It's everything. Which is why I, I would love to do this, maybe. I, but I, I was debating about doing this text. I mean, we're almost we're up to the last chapter of this text. There's an entire, many Kabbalistic texts on education. 
the principles of education and guidance, how to be an educator, not just a teacher, but a mentor, how to really be a mentor, how to change someone's life. And the way Kabbalah describes it, the love that the individual has to have for that person, whether it's a child or not, or the attachment, and the attachment, the devotion, and the devotion from the child to the educator or the parent, has to... And then you realize, are there any teachers, educators, gui- guiders, if that's a word, or mentors, true, are very, very difficult to find. Very difficult to find. And, I mean, some, the previous Rebbe wrote this discourse, the previous Chabad Rebbe wrote this discourse on that I'm referring to. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, he wrote it when he was starting his yeshiva. And he said, listen, if, if you're not able to do this, you need not apply. And, it's like, and you realize, like, well, who is qualified? You read it and it, it just blows the mind the way it's described in, 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 in just detail how, you, how to go through the process and understand, you have to understand your own faults and your own um, pluses and minuses. You have to really understand your, how can you teach before you, before you have, have had an exhaustive um, process of, of, of knowing who you are? How can you just go ahead and, and, and hope to, to change others' lives if you haven't gone through an excruciatingly detailed soul-searching process? Described in depth. Now, one of the reasons why, why we haven't studied it yet is because, you know, my feeling was that maybe it's too pegged to a certain demographic, you know, to teachers, educators, mentors, etc., even though we're all, in a, in a sense. So, you know, that, 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 that's the question. And if we want to do it, we can do it. But anyway, the point is that these ideas are discussed, and it's not an easy process. It's not like, well, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to turn on my inner malchut. It may take, it, 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 it's, it's an internal experience to really get in touch with that. And it's really getting in touch with, with a higher place. So what? So what I want to, where I want to go, the way I want to wrap this up today, is like this: is to understand that a few points that come out, which I, I haven't mentioned yet. One point in particular. That is, if we're looking to compare and contrast Zah and Malchut, the six prior energies and Malchut. We've had many different ways of describing the distinction between them. Their biased malchut is not biased. Their particular malchut is not particular. They're all about um, uh, you know doing it this way. Doing it. Malchut is about synthesizing, really listening, really connecting with. They're about sticking with something that already exists. Malchut is about creating something new. All of these things. That last point that we developed today that we have not developed before really ties into the final point that I want to make which is one more layer of understanding. This is the critical idea. Which actually we did allude to before. The previous six energies, in a sense, are not, do not relate to the final product. We, we kind of mentioned this before. Malchut relates to the final product. Why? Because the six energies are all about self. The two points are connected. If it's about bias, it's about me. It's about self. Not, not the individual, not Ari bias. Chesed has chesed bias. Chesed has love bias. Gvur has severity bias. But understand that what does that mean? It means that each, each energy, each power, is in a sense locked into its individuality, its flavor, its description, its definition. Because it's locked into its definition, it has difficulty relating to 
something that's not its own definition. Certainly, it has difficulty relating to something brand new that's outside of its understanding. It doesn't understand when Malchut produces something new in its role of leadership, and it takes and then it produces, it has difficulty understanding it, number one, because it's removed from the process, and since it itself is removed, even though its input was taken and, 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 and now does find expression in, in the product, in the new product, but it itself was not part of the process, so it's removed from the process, number one. But number two, because it's so particular, it can relate to something that doesn't share its particularism, its particularity-ness. Okay? What does this mean? Is this too abstract? No. Okay. Okay. What this means is like this. All of the other powers exist for self. Malchut exists solely for something else. Chesed love is about me loving. It's about me extending love. It's about me feeling closeness, wanting to get closer, or extending chesed, etc. It's extending love, extending kindness. Severity is about me and distance, about me and, and, and moving away from something. Compassion about me having compassion for, etc. It's all about me. Even if there's another object or item or person or subject involved, it's only vis-a-vis me. So that's why we've, and we've given this example before, that's why Abraham after his Brit Milah, for three days, is sitting at the, step, at the outside of his tent waiting for guests. So God ensures that there's no guests because He doesn't want Abraham to be bothered with dealing with guests because he's, he's 99 and he's had some minor slash major surgery happen. And it's painful. So, so they say. I didn't cry. No. So the point is like this. So I just made that up. Anyway, the point is like this. Abraham is pained, not because of the circumcision, but because he wants guests. And there's no guests. So, he's, so God finally sends three angels that appear as men, and he welcomed them in, and they said they, they healed him, and they gave him good news about the birth of a son, Isaac, and about the negative stuff about Sodom. Anyway, here's the point. Automatic shut-off. Safety first there. Now, here's how it works. Chesed love is something that a person has or can feel even without anybody else. You can feel love. I want to give even if there's no one to give to. And if I don't have an outlet for that giving, I feel inhibited because I want to give. So Abraham can experience a feeling, a full-blown feeling of chesed even without any recipient there. Because chesed is about me. That's why the six powers are biased. They're all about self. Therefore, they're all individualistic. They're not about blending. They're not about letting go of themselves or decomposition until it hits Malchut. Malchut is all about the other. Malchut says, well, if we're really going to produce something that benefits the other, we, really ha- we can't stick to any particular ego, any particular shade, any particular bias. We have to really, disintegrate, really um, allow this to uh, decompose, and then we can produce something new that's going to benefit the recipient. It's like, getting back to a simple example, take it from the esoteric to the practical. The example that I started with, the teacher that has a million ideas of Tubashvat, a million ideas of plants and trees and teaching and Judaism and everything. Right? All these lesson ideas. And then, the teacher has to actually present the lesson. Malchut is the delivery, is taking all the ideas and then producing something. Producing something that's going to benefit the student. Producing something that's going to benefit the recipient. Because Malchut is all about the recipient. The other ideas are all about, oh, I've got a brilliant idea. Yeah, but can the child understand it? Is it going to benefit the child? Either yes or either no. But they're not going to consider that. You understand? 
There's each individual idea in your mind is not considering necessarily, am I appropriate for the recipient? Does the student really need to know this factoid? Fun fact about Tubishvat, or is it irrelevant? Whereas the process of Malchut is to completely think about the other and therefore reframe everything based on that or create something new based on that. So here's the distinction. Malchut is all about other and it only comes to rise, it only becomes accessed when there's other around. In other words, when do I need leadership? When we have to move forward. If it's all about theory, all ideas, yeah, we can all have ideas, we don't need a leader. Well, you don't need a leader to have an idea. Yeah, a team, we talk about the team meeting. Six opinions and then somebody saying, okay, this is what we're doing. If we're not doing anything, so you don't need a leader. Everyone comes in the room, everyone says their ideas. Wonderful. And we walk out of the room. And we have a bunch of ideas hanging in the air. And that's it. And that's how maybe some meetings go. But the point is that if there's no need for, an action, for something to actually be produced to affect someone else or to affect outside of this space, then you don't need a leader. You only need leadership when you actually need to produce something. And then when you produce something, you can't be stuck with the six. You've got to have the leadership. So here's the point. And this is going to segue into the top of... This is going to be the malchut of next... It's going to form the keter of next week. Does that make sense? This is the point, the bottom point, that's going to serve as the top of next week. And that is, malchut is all about others. The other six are all about self. We're going to see how this is reflected in the spiritual world of Atzilut, the world of emanation. This is next week. We're going to see how the energies work, how they, how they are expressed. Hold on, I lost my thought. How this, this concept of Malchut being about others and the others being about self, how that's expressed in the world of Asilut, the world of emanation. We're going to see how it expresses itself in masculine and feminine energies. And then we're going to have a better understanding of why is it that the idea of childbirth, why is it that childbirth is connected on a deeper level to the feminine as opposed to the masculine. So is the Messiah going to be a woman? <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Certainly, certainly, the, the idea... No, it's a good question. I had a question last week. Certainly the energy of the Messianic era is a feminine energy. That's what I'm saying. It says in Kabbalah, everywhere you turn, it says the era of Mashiach, the era of Messiah, is feminine dominant energy. It's a feminine dominant era. Until now, we might be considered to be a masculine-dominated era. Think about it. It says there's six millennia, seven millennia of millennium Messiah, right? Six, everything corresponds to a day of the week. Six days a week of work and then Shabbos. You have work is all about, I'm changing something, I'm, 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 I'm imposing something on whatever. Shabbos is all about resting, really integrating, really understanding, and that's the greatest production. The rest of Shabbos actually is the greatest burst of creativity and creation, paradoxically, that can be. More than when you're out there in the grind and the hustle and bustle, able to just rest and be, and then listen, and then integrate, and then you're really able to, to access that Malchut. So it says the six energies correspond shockingly, Zah, the six energies, to the six days of the week. Malchut, the seventh energy, is Shabbat. Malchut is the, El, is the seventh millennia, the millennia of, of, of Mashiach. You have six millennia, six thousand years, and the seventh, roughly, is the era of Mashiach. And we're now in the year 5772. 
But you can always bring Shabbat a little bit earlier. So that's what we're that's that's, that's the angle that we're taking here. Can, you can light candles a little bit earlier. So we're already we're already in the kosher time to bring in Shabbos early. If anyone's wondering if we have to wait another two hundred years or so, no. So parenthetically, the point is that the era of Mashiach is malchut, feminine, all of this stuff. Shabbat, it's all connected. It's all connected. Next week again, we're going to explore this outer versus inner. There's Malchut versus Zion in the context of, is it, does it exist for others, does it exist for self? We're going to elaborate on that, and then we're going to cir- circle back, and we're going to actually start and read the text inside, please God, <laughs> without a promise, without taking an oath. Um, we're going to start it, and we're going we're to develop more ideas about all this. Alright, thanks for coming. 